Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So hold it to where you, yeah. Like close. that? Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. We're, we're rednecking this podcast, this roundup podcast. A little different of a roundup podcast. Yeah. Out of Trinchera, out of southern Colorado, snowing outside. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. absolutely gorgeous. Ryan, this is an audio medium, so mm-hmm. you have to speak. Got it. Um, <laughs> understood. So, understood. No good st- with that? Yep. Good. Okay. There is no video component. <laughs> There's no video component. Ryan's nodding. Yes, yep. it's yes, beautiful. It's beautiful. Yes, it's beautiful. Yep. Uh, have you been in uh, You been in snow before, Ryan? Yes, uh, but I probably still call it the strange white stuff that's Falling from the sky Definitely. as a true Texan. Yep. Ryan Martin, welcome to the podcast. This is your first podcast ever. Yes. Welcome to the Roundup podcast. This comes out on Monday. Okay. So okay. it's going to be out there. The world's going to know about you and oh boy, your number one cherry popping podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. It's no, been you're great. welcome. Dee Dee Lancy. Seasoned. Seasoned veteran. Yes. Have you been on a podcast before this? I've had a couple of podcasts recorded, and none of them uh, hit the airwaves. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. For one reason or another, or you just shite? No. I, well, 
one reason or another. Not okay. that I was checking. <laughs> we, we won't get into the details of what went wrong with each oh, of them. I like that. But I yeah. like that. Well, um, yeah, as I said, it's going to be a different roundup because we are sitting here in Trinchero. You both won the, what was it, the May? April? I think it was July. Yeah. July? Yeah. July. Sometimes yeah, summer. July. Right? That was right. July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Thank you for the focus, Didi. Just on the mic. Yeah. I think. July Just Supporters Program Drive that mm-hmm. we created which was to sort of elicit more donations, more support for what we do. And um, we had two categories. One was new supporters that came on board, and Dee Dee Lancy was one of those new supporters that came on board. Yeah. And Ryan Martin was one of those that had been with us for... Probably a couple months before that. A yeah. couple months. Started getting into the program earlier this year. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if I can actually hear myself if I do one of these. Try it. Let's do this. The podcast producer can just edit. 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 I don't think it's gonna Let's see. clip. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, I can hear myself. This oh, is perfect. good stuff, right? That will help because oh. oh, there yeah. were things I couldn't tell you. <laughs> like what? Like when you turn your head and don't take the microphone, it sounds different than holding the microphone. Exactly. So I just need to talk so you, like this. Yeah. But you're, t- you're trying to be kind and talk, talk to, to Ryan. Ryan. Right. Yeah. So now I'm completely avoiding Ryan. Yeah. Well, you could <laughs> Locking just... Locking eyes with you. <laughs> you could just like make it like, like a, a frame. Shoulder turn yeah. to Ryan. Yeah. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Yeah. And that's the perfect, uh, perfect. distance. Yeah. So I like yeah. this. Okay. Interesting. We're all set now. All set Okay, up. editor. We're about to jump right back into it. No, I'll leave all that stuff in there. That's oh. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> It's authentic. Okay. It's what we it's are. Adapt- you're adapting. Mm. You're being nimble. So you both won the supporters program. Mm. And in that win, we had a Montana knife. Mm. Did you use your Montana knife? On your haven't. Own? Yep. You didn't use it? Will, but I haven't. Okay. Didi, you fully blooded oh, yours. Seasoned. It is. It is. Um, yeah. It's been used. It's been loved. It's a fabulous knife. And you yeah. didn't join the... They have this club called the Blood Brothers. Oh, really? Montana Knife Company. And I don't know if it's that you've blooded the knife on an animal. Oh. Or you yourself blooded it because you of cut. how sharp it is. Yeah. And you oh. cut yourself. Well, I did both. <laughs> I actually did. you cut did. yourself? I did. Oh. You guys want to see the wound? Yes. Sure. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. A savage, right? Gore. It's about half a millimeter. <laughs> It was the first. On your index finger. <laughs> it was the first. You look literally. Like my nine year old saying, I have a boo boo dad. Yeah. The first cut, like literally on the animal and on me all at the same time. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, so maybe that's a new thing. Hmm. It was a tiny prick, but the tip is very sharp yes, it is. and pointy. Beware. Yep. And useful. Very, very useful when you need that sharp. Well, point. you're completely gutted. Mm hmm. A cow elk on the side of the mountain with your Montana knife. I did. I, I did with with your help and guidance and Aaron, our lovely guides, guidance and patience, um, talking me and walking me through it. But I did all the, all the cutting. And at that time, you thought I had already butchered 10 elk. Oh, I, I thought this, uh, Robbie is like, just all he can possibly do is just like stand there and keep keep holding the elk because this is driving me nuts how slow I'm going. Yeah. But, but you did a good job. You found out today 
that, that I had never killed an elk. You had never killed an oh, elk okay. until, I didn't know that either. until this morning until at this 7 46 this morning. 7 46 this morning before wow. the, the, uh, the skies opened and it started snowing like crazy. That's right. It was the, the clouds were so gorgeous for sunrise this morning, mm-hmm. like hot pink, crazy color blue, some yellow and orange in there. And then your first elk kill. Congratulations. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Ryan, this is your first elk too? Yes. Yeah. First for me as well. You Great take experience. All the meat home? Absolutely. Yeah. And even some of the non meat items as well. What are you taking home? Dog snacks, bones, um, the feet, uh, the trachea. Mm-hmm. Good the chew trachea toys for the dog. Good chew yeah. Toys? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Good supply. You take any of the offal? Uh, I will be taking the heart. Um, Good. the liver was too bruised up for me. Yep. Um, so yeah, putting everything to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My liver was completely gone. Yeah. Yeah. You did. Yours was perfectly <clears throat> intact. Mine was gigantic and perfectly intact. So I've got three very large pieces of liver to take home. Yeah. Yeah. So we all, uh, we've been here two or three days. Uh, we're all headed out. Sometimes in the next 24 hours, mm-hmm. some sooner than others. Yes. Um, Didi, this is your first ever kill. First ever kill. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are going to be listening to this roundup. You know, it's not like you haven't tried before, right? This isn't your first hunt. It's, um, I've, I've only been hunting for a little while. So, Shane, yeah. you're next. But oh, he's, he's running away. He's running. Um, but yeah, I've, I've hunted only for a little while, but first kill for me and, um, definitely first, yeah, first for me. But you've tried before you went elk hunting last year. Yeah. So my husband and I went archery elk hunting on public land in Utah. Yeah. Super humbling experience. If anybody ever just wants to really feel like a complete beginner at something and, uh, grab a grab a bow and mm-hmm. go start walking around mm-hmm. with a tag in Utah. We learned, we learned a ton and we're um, super excited to continue on with the educational process of becoming proper hunters and harvesting yeah, our food ourselves, more of our food ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Ryan, you hunt whitetails and stuff in Texas? Yep, mainly whitetail. Um, wild pig and past course uh we have great fishing in texas a uh, little bit of dove here and there um but yeah mainly whitetail in texas and you said you're out of houston yep nice yep so i have a you have a big enough freezer for all this meat that's coming home that's the big question <laughs> i have the same question i don't have that question you I have already, plenty i already ordered a new <laughs> freezer last Smart. night and it will be delivered tomorrow afternoon wow yeah no wonder you're the chief operating officer of Fieldcraft. is like thinking ahead yeah. Make that operation happen. Logistics, making stuff happen. Yeah. Well, since I just introduced yourself, why don't you go ahead and we you know, ten minutes into this podcast and you haven't introduced anyone yet. Oh, okay. So Well, I'm Dee Dee Lancey. Thank you for having me here. I am um, a mother and a wife and also um, the COO of Fieldcraft Survival up in Heber. Uh-oh. You did? So one of the hunters... Uh, at the lodge, just came in with a big, beautiful shed, big, beautiful and um, he just surprised he just surprised his wife. Um, he's he's bull he's hunting for bull elk. Um, yeah, so chief operating officer for Fieldcraft Survival out of Heber City, Utah, and um, yeah, we met 
we met through um, the beautiful land of Instagram yep. and Montana Knife Company. Yep. So we've got lots of common threads now that Absolutely. we're getting to know each other. But yeah, yeah. yeah, happy to be here. Happy to know you. Ryan Martin, introduce yourself. So Ryan Martin, um, native of Houston, Texas. Always lived in the great state of Texas. Um, yeah, uh, definitely not in the outdoor industry space. Uh, recreational hobbyist, I guess. Uh, okay. But small uh, landowner in Texas, which you basically need or have connections to to be able to hunt in that state. And as a now elk hunter, I would say, you uh, have to leave Texas if you want to hunt, uh, hunt elk. Sure. Um, There's some great elk though in Texas, but it's there are. all private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So let me ask this. And typically on a roundup, we have a bunch of news articles that we discuss of what's happening in the hunting world or whatnot. But maybe what we can do is we can set up sort of misperceptions. You both are new hunters. You both are new hunters for elk. Do you think there's a stigma about you now returning home and telling your friends, and I'll start with you, Ryan, and then Dee, you can answer, that you killed your cow elk on a piece of private land in Colorado? I think there will be, because, yeah, a majority of the friends and family that I know that are also hunters, uh, they go for whitetail on their own personal property, or they have a lease, which Mm -hmm. is huge in Texas. Getting to a point where you're going out of state for uh, elk and with decent odds of being successful, which we all were, it definitely puts you in a different category, I, I think, um, once you start talking to people. Um, Do you may- think your friends, if you, uh, if you told your friends what you did mm-hmm. and where you did it, would they think less of you? Because you did it here on private versus you did it on public in Colorado. I don't think so. I think uh, the notion of public versus private in Texas is not maybe as well known. Okay. Um, there just aren't that many. Uh, it's not as accessible. Sure. At least for me. Uh, you know, I'm coming with a kind of bend towards coastal slash east Texas. Yep. Just just to get here is, you know, over a day's drive. Mm-hmm. So you're already, you know, um, a good ways away. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there would be any sort of negative connotations with that. No. It's it's interesting. You're you're right. In a in a in a state like Texas, you're probably right in terms of the privateness of private versus public. So I think I get my mic situated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think coming from a, a state like Texas, that you've got 98 percent private ground mm-hmm. I think you're right I don't think anyone's going to blink an eye at you and what you did yeah. but Didi so I, I feel what like do I, you think? I feel like I come from an interesting sort of juxtaposition where um, a lot of my friends like my my treasure people I call them like my really close friends yeah. are actually so new or don't know anything about hunting that they they wouldn't judge they me. They haven't been brought into the whole turmoil of public versus no, private. They would. They literally are going to be just so proud of me mm. and excited for what I'm doing. They've followed 
like along with my journey of like what we've done in, in our front yard, we've changed the whole front yard into raised planter beds. They've followed along with the bees. They are excited about the chickens. They get eggs. Um, so this is just the next layer. And what the resounding feedback that I've gotten from, especially a lot of my girlfriends, uh, is like they want to be next. Mm. Like they're like, okay, I don't know where to start, but like help me, like share knowledge, like you know, how do I get started? And, um, Brian, my husband and I have taken a few friends like shooting just to get people, because I think that's a big barrier of entry is just getting proficient at, um, weapon knowledge and just, um, confident even just going to a range. So that's more of where I come from is, is just like, just really people being excited and eager to, to be a beginner as well with me. And, and kind of inspired or excited to like follow along. Um, maybe some of the more seasoned hunters um, that are in my realm, they might have a little twinge of like, oh, well, yeah, of course you, you like got one or something because you went there. Right. But ultimately I think when, when like that kind of subsides a little bit or moves to the side, they're also going to be just like really amped yeah. for me. Yeah. And um, excited to have a new hunter in the fold. Like, mm-hmm. like they just, you know, really resonate. I think, I think true hunters, at least that I've, that I've met that do it as an, let's say intense hobby and above, they just really want more people as part of the posse. Sure. Like they, they really want, they really want to bring people in. And I mm-hmm. think, I think that barrier to entry can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. So if you have the courage to just go for it, then what I've found is a lot of our already seasoned hunter friends, like we had one, we have one amazing friend that actually just took us out behind his neighborhood, which is like kind of a, a nice open space in park city. And he was walking us around draws and up like Creek beds and stuff, showing us how to move and like testing the wind and stuff to where this was, this was last year, but showing us, showing us like decisions to make based on the wind and based mm-hmm. on the landscape, mm-hmm. which was super helpful mm-hmm. and just really lovely. And we ended up going hunting with him one time last year on public land. <laughs> and it was a really great experience for him because he's been private land hunting for the last decade. And he was like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is so difficult. Like you have no idea how difficult this is um, of what we were doing. So it was, it was actually really great to share that experience with him yep. where he'd been going private land hunting guided for so long and him being more like in the guide sort of position and place leading us through even just doing stuff on public land. So, um, yeah, that's my, my friend. So overwhelming supportive. Yeah. I think, you know, there's just a set of conflicting arguments constantly when it's public versus private. It's like, there's a connotation that private is easier. Mm. That comes with a high fence also, right? There's this connotation that it's easier. But there's always an element of luck. Mm-hmm. For sure. I don't know. Any, we'll, we'll talk through your elk hunt. But Didi's elk hunt. We saw elk. We tried to put a stalk on them. They disappeared. Mm-hmm. We went down the road a little bit more. Fortuitously, we spotted one single by herself elk. Yeah, which is like unheard of. Unheard of. Should have busted out of there just like everyone else. Totally. We backed up. We made a big stalk in and around, a big finger over the finger, and she was still there. Yeah, over two creek beds. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
and she was still there and she we the whole time stalking we had no idea if she was going to be there or not uh uh, now granted the only difference is that we weren't we weren't fighting anyone else correct okay so that is definitely an issue on a public public ground but nothing that happened on the private ground even my hunt this morning nothing about it is is you know it's not easy you know same thing could have happened us driving through a blm piece of forest road see a herd of elk pull the car off back it up put a stalk in mm-hmm. and yep. and take the cow elk that you're looking for mm-hmm. yeah for sure i think i mean i do having barely hunted both from my experience private a private land hunt takes a few of the variables out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is where people have the perception that it's easier. It is still hunting. Mm -hmm. Like it is still, there's still luck and there's still, you still need to pay attention to, you know, your position and wind and and all the things that you actually need, your, your equipment and all the things that you need to on public land. Um, At least where we hunt in Utah, currently there's so many other hunters that that's the main that is the main variable there are animals there but they are being pressured so much by all the other hunters that it really makes it nearly impossible in a lot of ways to even learn how to hunt because you're not even getting a chance to watch animal behavior you're not even getting a chance to be um, you know, to see animals and to, to start the practice of what you actually do mm-hmm. um, when you're hunting, stalking or otherwise, spotting or anything like that. So um, having the chance to come on private land and hunt really actually helps a new hunter get practice of doing the actual thing. Yeah. Ryan, what about yep. your hunt? Talk us through your hunt in so, terms of what it... Yep. Uh, well, great guide, uh, Mike here at the ranch, decades worth of experience. Um, that I think played huge uh, into the stock up, into the approach. We saw a few uh, smaller groups, bands. We saw one lone bull. Mike said probably low 300s, uh, tearing across the field, so that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, got within probably 20, 30 yards from a decent forky staring at us. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so great encounters right off the bat. So we're really excited. He's got a sweet spot. We're approaching in a vehicle, um, turns off all lights, creeps up. We see some right at a, um, uh, a tree break. Um, see a couple figure, okay, we're going to go. We've got the wind at our advantage. We're going to approach. We kind of go down a little bit so they shouldn't be able to um, see us, smell us, or hear us. We get to the top, pull out the sticks, uh, get set up, and they had basically cut the distance to us, to the road. So by that time, it's busted. Uh, pretty large group. It was definitely over 100, mm-hmm. but mostly juveniles. Um, the the males we saw were small ones, uh, spikes, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I lined up to take a shot. By then, the wind had picked up. Uh, they were going into a low. So saw one closest to me, and yeah, made the shot. Um yeah, lung shot her. She went down. So did the whole group of them. And um, yeah, made the approach and finished her off. And that awesome. was it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So cool. Yeah. But I think, you know, the point that you, 
the point that you've made DD and I and I actually just we just created a video that reminded me of it is if you're a new hunter like you are how long have you been hunting Ryan? Uh, 10 years okay so you you were late to come to, uh, to hunting as well fairly late yeah you didn't parents didn't grow up hunting no I think that skipped a generation with my family mm -hmm. uh, my grandparents generation huge outdoorsmen they come from the north um, Michigan and Iowa so monster whitetail country uh, that definitely carried through. Uh, my parents were first-generation Texans moving from the north. So, yeah, that kind of skipped taking care of the family, hmm. work, that whole thing. Uh, you know, now, sort of post-college years, I definitely got into it heavy, along with my grandpa, who he's, um, he's still with us, but his I think his outdoor days are past. So, yeah, me taking that up, hmm. having the passion for it that he did as a... Um, a true outdoorsman, I would say, hunter and fisher, mm -hmm. um, in the north, and now where he lives in Florida, um, something I hope to pass off to my kids as well, for sure. sure. Absolutely. Sure. You know, it's interesting, the, that, that video that we created, it's almost like in, I think maybe, that the hunting community, the way that it is, the way how insular it is, the way that there's so much competition that's driven within the community um, and expectations of people. We talked a little bit about expectations in the vehicle today. Mm -hmm. That almost new hunters are not given any grace. New hunters are not given any, like, you're not supposed to know that stuff yet. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not supposed to do this. You're not, you know, you've got, you've got to learn. You've got to... It takes time and effort and whatnot. And I think the situation we were in here at this ranch and also the situation you were in at the Hunter Recruitment Project in Georgia, mm -hmm. in that, and then let's compare that to your season-long elk hunt in Utah. Yeah. How many elk did you see? We saw six big bull and they, we smelled one and were close enough, on, but it was before even opening day. It was the, the afternoon before opening day when we were headed up to set up camp. And then the morning of opening day, we were sitting and it was dark and we could feel them all around us and we could smell them and hear them. But by the time it became light enough to shoot anything, they had already moved to private land mm -hmm. that is adjacent to this public land that we were hunting. And because of the time frame that Utah has their um, archery season, the bulls weren't, or the it, the, yeah, the bulls were not in the rut. So right. there was no way that we could even draw them Lure back them on pu public land. Yeah. Um, so we watched those six guys, and we could watch them from afar. We could watch their behavior, but um, we never we never got any closer than that. So comparatively speaking, um, super, super helpful to get practice and and closer to animals and see more animal behavior. Yeah. Well, I think that, again... I Luckily, I've never been in the position, but I could imagine a new hunter, the barrier of entry being so high, a new hunter getting into it, say, let's just use you as an example, going through an entire season archery elk hunting, not seeing anything that you could actually interact with, mm -hmm. and doing that season after season, or even just for one season, go, screw this, man, like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. Because you don't know, like, in, yes, you're doing it for some sort of lesson, some sort of perseverance, some sort of something. But it helps. 
to see wildlife. It helps to interact with wildlife. It helps to have opportunity to take the wildlife. Well, if I would have, if, if we would have had the chance to take something last year, let's say, and, and it, we would have been successful, the next part that comes after being successful with taking an animal down is super intense and you don't actually have a chance to practice that until you actually are with an mm, animal that mm. you that you've harvested yep. and so it was in, incredibly important for me yesterday to do the entire process because my hope is that next time i mean well I, my hope i'd hunt with you again any day but the, the reality is that you're probably not going to be there with me mm-hmm. and and my husband and i are going to be doing this ourselves and so then what do you do? You're out. You probably out of cell range. If you haven't done your study work, it's totally different having a massive, 300 plus pound animal at your feet, and you've got to start processing it so that you can take care of the meat responsibly and start to get your, you know, your butt out of back. That's country. the biggest animal you've ever killed. Absolutely, by far. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. What did What did you when you you guys got it at there and there mm-hmm. yep. in the field? Field dressed. Yep. Got the organs out, put it back in the um, body cavity, and yeah, winched it up. Mm-hmm. Got did, it back. What did you have any I, like? Did you have any idea of how big it was? Did that surprise you when you walked up on her? <laughs> the shot was probably two hundred yards. Um, that for me and my, I would say, most recent few years of hunting is by far one of the longest shots that I've oh, sure. taken at my small property. A long shot for me is 50 yards. Yeah. Walking up on that animal yesterday, that was, yeah, that was truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. So I was not aware of the scale of difference between an elk and a white tail. Mm. But, uh, yeah, um, aside from that, process is the same. Field dressing, that's, you know, something Could we... you imagine, and this is the thing that Dee Dee and her, her husband went through yesterday. Could you imagine shooting that animal? And you've seen this property. Mm-hmm. Two miles off the road. Three miles off the road. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then the work that would be... I can imagine it. ...required thereafter. (laughs) I wouldn't be looking forward to it, but I can imagine it, yeah. I think when you're put in that situation where, for me, the, the gratitude during the experience and even after the experience, because my guide left walked back up to the truck. We were, we were sort of down in a low, um, a good, uh, couple few hundred feet. So mm-hmm. he went back up to the truck, made the call for them to, um, come help basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and being with the animal, um, by myself in the quiet peace of the woods with the cold and all the elements and the mountains in the background and everything. Um, I would figure it out. I would. I have that mentality yeah, where sure. I would. I would make it happen. I think you see a lot of these uh, extreme alpine hunters where they go after something and they're just so overwhelmed with the opportunity that's in front of them, mm-hmm. and the gratitude of getting a, a big horn or something, you know, way way far up. I think. I think you th- you think about it, but um, yeah, I think ultimately I'd, I I would still you you have to you have to make it happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I just it would be. Like, again, I've never killed an elk. I've seen elk. I've seen elk being shot. Um, but the amount of work. Mm-hmm. It's a 300-pound animal, man. Mm-hmm. It's cr- like, shit, a brick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. it and, and my husband and I, 
last year, I mean, we did our research, we had a plan and we, you know, if, if, if we would have taken something down, we would have, we would have made it work. It's just having the practice Mm. and having now done it in a, in a, seen it twice, seen it. Yeah. Seen it twice, been a participant. Then it, it's like, I'm that much more confident. And then also I'm, I'm that much more confident in making this like, like responsible and healthy decisions in the future hunting of if, if we actually find ourselves four miles in and nothing's working and we don't, um, you know, as far as communication, because last year we had a couple of friends on call and they knew where we were so that if anything, if we did get anything that they could come help us. But let's say, let's say that that's not going to be the case. Well, then you have to really start to take into consideration temperature and proximity to your, your vehicle and things like that to where, you're really setting yourself up for uh, success, both mm-hmm. getting the animal out responsibly, but also like for me, especially like being a responsible hunter and getting myself out and not putting myself and then therefore like my husband and everything else in danger and becoming a liability. I'm constantly thinking about so how to, shit could go wrong. yeah, I'm just constantly thinking about how to be an asset. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a lot of what has gotten me charged up and, um, motivated to become a hunter at this, um, at this age, at this current age that I am. And, and so it goes the, for the same in the back country. It's like, I really have to be mindful of myself so that I don't put anybody else in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate both of you coming here. Um, uh, what, no, one, obviously. And then number two is appreciate you supporting us. Absolutely. Supporting Blood Origins and, um, it's always, always humbling, you know, especially now that we're a charity and charities ask people for money. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing in the world to ask people for money. Um, and I think we just, you know, I guess we're doing a good job and, you know, we, we, we will keep pushing the stone every single day for, you know, your kids and your kids one day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids. That's so. right. Well, it's a worthy endeavor. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. Thank you. Final words? Yeah, just more gratitude. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks to everybody here at the facility. Big shout out to the guide again. Great experience. Uh, Yeah, it's been fantastic. Well, we're happy to have it and thank them so much for for putting this up. For sure. They're lovely. All the whole staff here is absolutely lovely. The, The ranch is gorgeous, breathtaking. Full of conservation projects. Yes, amazing. Chock full. And that's really a testament to um, the ownership. We're talking about native Rio Grande cutthroat trout and their reintroduction on this ranch. Yeah, they're really up to some some super cool things that uh, are direct, uh, directly relate to hunting and Mm -hmm. conservation. So, exactly. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. Safe travels home. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.